everybody. Hi, pod friends. It's Bob Rivers here. And boy, a little bit has happened since the last time we all got together, especially with our classic team of Bob, Spike, and Joe. I'll tell you a little bit about what we're going to talk about tonight. The big announcement, and it has nothing to do with me, uh, that Jack and Spike are the midday hosts at Cairo now, and uh, Jack Stein and Spike O'Neill are now heard every day from noon to three. Downtown Joe continues to work his miracles, mentoring and inspiring the broadcasters of tomorrow, many of whom are winning awards. Uh, the other big news involves our dear departed friend and rock and roll hall of fame drummer for Yes, and of course, John Lennon and Yoko Ono, and that's Alan White. There's going to be a film about Alan. All of that's coming up in the Bob, Spike and Joe pop-up podcast. Welcome everybody. Hi guys. Hey boss. Hello. <laughs> it's been a little while since I've seen too you long, even virtually. Hmm. I love Spike that you called me boss. Even when you couldn't stand me and I was an asshole boss, you used to call me boss. You know, I'm smart enough to know who to follow around to get to the finish line. At least I've learned that much <laughs> in my life. You know, I used to hang out with the Maroons and I, and then I met you. So. Oh, that's sweet of you. Yeah. We've got, the, we've got the, uh, we've got the decades of maturity that, that have added to uh, all that fun and drama we used to have, which was some yeah, of the most fun. Two burned hands. Look at that. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. And Joe, you know about this too. In fact, I, I think you said you're uh, going to have a field trip with your class to go see Jack and Spike. Is that right? Yes. Uh, Cairo, uh, Bonneville. We, we're, uh, I'm in, I think my ninth year of teaching now, and I've got six full classes, 180 kids or something. But my first period class is all about learning how to do a great morning show. And, and they're going live a couple hours every morning. So we're going to take one day off and we're going to fill the bus up and we're going to go down to Bonneville and we're going to watch their sports morning show. We're going to watch their news morning show. We're going to talk to a few people about how to do a great morning show. And then depending on how, what time Spike gets to work, um, I'll talk to him and Jack as well. If, uh, if we can get it in before we have to get the kids back for third period. So okay. uh, excited. Well, we prep the show. We prep the show. We prepped the show in the building, so we'll be there by the time you guys, before you guys about wrap up. So I'd love yeah. to see you. Yeah, yeah. All right, that, that's fun. So the big announcement, Spike, uh, you were filling in for months. Uh, you and Jack, uh, what an amazing duo, first of all. I'll say this. I know your talent. I know your decades of experience. I know your, um, you know, uh, your incredible connection to the city of Seattle and the people of Seattle. Uh, because of it's all the enjoyment of, yeah. you've brought him over the years. But along comes this guy, Jack Stein. And um, not what I would have predicted. Jack is, uh, and, and he's honest about all of this stuff, so I think I'm not going to say anything wrong. But he's young. He's 35 years old still. Yeah, yeah, 35. I would have thought he would have turned 36 in the last few days. Hey, um, he, I don't, you know, his birthday is coming up sexually pretty soon. He's going to okay. become 36 pretty soon. So, um, and he's, he, he's not secret about his life too. He's a recovering addict. Um, he's got a couple of degrees under his belt. He knows what he's talking about. And in spite of all that, he's a conservative. I don't understand how he got there, but you know, he is, he's got a conservative view on life and a libertarian view on American life. And so we're, we're a pretty good mix of opposing viewpoints if I am kind about it. So I think you guys are, um, more than that. I think you're both thoughtful. And that makes it easy to listen to you speak because you talk to each other with respect and it's not a divisive show. Um, no, so to me, that's that. That, that, Yeah, that was a goal going in was we didn't want to, we didn't want to have arguments. We didn't want to throw blame around. Uh, that seems to be the fastest way to success in syndication. And I know, you're going to blow it. You're going to blow it. Yeah, I know. I know. Pitchforks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, the the Bible and Band Aid store is always empty, but the Torch and Pitchfork store they're they're sold out every day. That's um, right. It's it's been a it's been a fun journey to get to know Jack, and you know um, I never thought I'd, I I've said this before to the audience, and I appreciate them, but me be redundant. I didn't think I'd ever get to do this again, and I can honestly tell you that I would have jumped at the chance. I would have partnered with anything. I don't mean anybody. I'd have talked to a bust of Abraham Lincoln if they let me do it on the radio. But to get somebody like Jack, you'd have gone a, on a, a right wing heart. station and pretended to be a right wing flamethrower. 
Let's be honest. I, uh, I, I could throw that BS about. I really could. <laughs> I, could I, I could. I could be disingenuous and talk about you stuff I don't know anything for about. Natural gas for a while and how wonderful I it was. is. I, hey, man, it's he, heating up, clean energy, burning bright, buddy. Uh-huh. Natural gas. That's what, yes, uh-huh. I, I would have and could have jumped any chance to land somebody of Jack's intellect and integrity. It, it, I can't believe how lucky I am to do the Let's to do this talk. twice in my life. All right, let's talk a little about his intellect because I find him a little intimidating. He has almost like that lawyer, uh, pretend lawyer on suits. He has what appears to be a bit of a photographic mind for facts and stories. Is that is that your is that what you see too? I, I've learned more in the last six seven months working with him, and I'm, this is no knock on you two guys. We got to we got to hang out with our best friends for twenty five plus years, and I I mean our best that. dumb friends. Go ahead, you just guys, say it. it's fine. You, you guys, you guys didn't throw a lot of five syllable words around, and I have, I have to that's often right. look stuff up on my phone while we're talking, Jack and I. Oh, okay, that's what that means. Yeah, I can go with that. You know, um, he's got references and he cites examples and he can quote facts and figures like like nobody I've ever met in my life. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And he's. Uh, I'm glad uh, that you are learning. To love a conservative. It's something I've felt you've needed in your life for a long time. <laughs> um, so many have let me down in the past, Bob. It's nice that I found one that actually, yeah. uh, no, <laughs> um, it's fun. Yeah, I, 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 it's fun. I don't want to hang around people that agree with me exclusively anyway. I mean, it's always nice to be reaffirmed in what you think, but it's better to have to look at things from a different perspective. We, we play a game called Devil's Advocate on the air and you and i used to do this all the time you taught me how to do this but to earnestly um investigate and debate an on a, a view you disagree with you know like i mean let's just like debate camp in any good school you know and i have to take a position that i firmly disagree with and argue it uh, or debate it or discuss it i should say uh with sincerity and it's it's amazing you get to walk up a, a mile in somebody else's jack boots is how i often say it you know well <laughs> All right, you're on your way. I, how, how I look at that is angel's advocate. How I look at it is I like it. it's yeah. not possible for, let's pick a number, but it's not possible for 35% of the people to be 100% wrong on this side and think that the 35% on the other side are 100% wrong. And then there's people in the middle who are like, almost like agnostic, who say, you know, I actually don't know. I'm going to listen and try to go with my gut. That's how I view the middle. Um, but I, I think that um, I think that what you're doing is what the whole world needs more of now is empathy, understanding, love. We came up in a time, you know, classic rock was being made. Songs were about peace and love. And, um, you know, for a while, boomer generation, you guys are a little younger than me. But we thought that everybody should come together and love each other. And in the current media world, in the uh, environment with which we live, the business model is the more drama and anger and resentment you can create, the only, it's the only way you can cut through the clutter. So I, I, it, feels like, um, it feels like time for a shift in how people communicate. Uh, and, and I feel like well, it comes the, from the ground. Well, oh, the, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, well, it's funny. From us, it comes from the top down because it's it's fine that Jack and I want to have this conversation that's respectful and, and open-minded. But the fact that we work for a company that doesn't want us to just burn torches and carry pitchforks, yeah, you know, it, it, that's, that's amazing to me. Bonneville Broadcasting has a mission statement on the wall that practically brought a tear to my eye. It's so good. All right. Well, congratulations to you. To Jack I'll have Jack. to read it someday. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you walk by it every every day. And no, you know. And Joe, I, I know you didn't jump in here because you probably are working all the time he's on the air and you haven't had a chance to listen much, right? Not much, although uh, we were knocked off the air uh, a couple days ago and I said, oh, here's a chance. Uh, let's listen to uh, Jack and Spike. We turn it on, and you guys were talking something about racism, and it sounded like a good conversation, uh, but I started seeing my kids playing on their phones and, and uh, all that, and it's like, okay, uh, let's let's get back to it here. But I love that you're on noon to three because that's when I'm running out of gas. I'm 
my I work six to ten, just like we used to, but I work six a.m. to ten p.m. So my uh, afternoon classes can get. I mean, I'm literally. I'm going to say, you know, I'll find out what your topic is and uh, and listen to you. But I don't get a chance to listen because I literally have six classes out of seven periods. I'm not used to that. I I've uh, got to the point to where um, it's pretty long days. But I need to listen to more commercial radio, and I. I kind of miss that, but really what I miss is is the stuff. I mean, every time I open my cable bill, I miss commercial radio. How's the stuff, Spike? Are you getting, you know, free stuff? No. Free stuff? Not yet. Free Netflix account, Joe, that you got like 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So far, I'm still good on that. And um, I know but, you're uh, holding on to those Bitcoin certificates that. You took no, I don't know where those are, but I'm going to dig around. But I, Do you I get used free to be stuff these days, Spike. Um, no, you know, not really, not yet. I um, yeah. it's funny. Our our indoor, and this is kind of inside baseball for folks. But when Dory Monson passed away last Christmas, he was like the number one endorser in the city. And when Dory passed, all of his advertisers kind of fell into a, a panic. Who's going to deliver our message to our customers? So they kind of went and scrambled and they found a bunch of folks who are all um, established in the marketplace, whether it's um, John Curley, whether it's uh, Brock Heward, Dan Lewis, the an- the news anchor, Dave, Dave Wyman, Ross. the former Seahawk, Dave Ross, um, uh, sure. and Brandy Cruz, who's a conservative voice in this town, who speaks more to Dory's audience than I do. So those advertisers all took comfort in established voices and those contracts are still playing themselves out. Um, and Jack and I are just getting started. We have to find our way and build our audience. Mm, mm. And, uh, you know, we, we just got announced officially. Yeah, I'm, I'm patient about it. I'm looking forward to Joe to gutter helmets and, you know, solar panels and whatever else they need <laughs> me to run around. But, you know, I'll lie about having rats if I have to. For No, no, that, no that's one thing. Um, right. You know, Bob, you set a standard when we got to do commercials for folks. We would never talk about or endorse something that we didn't use, yes. you know, and, and genuinely be a part of our lives. So. You know, I've, I got approached about doing a couple things already for endorsements, but it's not something that I had used in the past or truly, you know, I, I didn't want to go and, and make up something or, or endorse something I didn't have faith in. So I had to pass on a couple things. Can you let us know what it is you turned out? Well, well, no, well, I can tell you the, 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 uh, the, the product, but not the name, if that's because it's general enough. I was asked to endorse a weight loss method. And I was really lucky that I got to do a thirty ten endorsement for a long time, and I was asked to do some other weight loss method. I said, you know what, um, I'm not a fan, and I'm not, I don't know that it would work, for, and I don't have the six months. If you want me to do it for six months and then sure, jump in, sure. he goes, no, they want somebody now. I'm like I can't do that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and well, I can do you, that. I mean, yeah. I <laughs> yeah, you told I know move up, up for more less and move around more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or, or get diabetes, and they'll give you. I'm on that Ozempic. I'm up to the the full dose now. And I, wait a minute, I'm not trying to lose. Kelly complains that I'm not losing enough, but I've lost probably since the last time we did a podcast at least twenty more pounds. I mean, you I'm, know what? I am no kind of, and you know how I knew, Joe. You're sure. Wow. Your shirt has yeah, all this extra space in it. I mean, I'm slumped over, but if I want to set up and look official, I'm actually, I won't say I'm felt, but I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I just turned 60 and I'm feeling more energy and, and, I, and oh, I'm not getting oh, paid for this, oh, by the way. Ozempic. Ozempic. Song? Yeah, it's <laughs> an unsolicited uh, endorsement here, but I'll tell you, <laughs> that, that stuff, uh, it works. I mean, it really does. And I'm not getting paid. I miss getting paid. I, I put a floor in my house this summer. I had two gates built and I paid for them. I don't, I can't mm-hmm. even talk about what a good job anybody did. I love, I love that we're on this topic because I used to love the free shows, except I had to leave at quarter to nine because I had to get up at four in the morning. And now I can stay yeah. as late as I want. And we live in Las Vegas and we go to shows all the time. And I will say this the taxes here in Nevada, Oh, we're saving many thousands of dollars in, in taxes, no, uh, no income tax, super low property taxes. But you know who's getting all of that money? Ticketmaster. The casinos. Oh, Ticketmaster. <laughs> Ticketmaster. Oh, yeah. And I remember, Joe, you used to do this all the time. I, I uh, you know, shows coming on 
do you join the fan club? Do you get a pre-sale? And then if you see something, do you like, so a couple of weeks ago, um, Pat Benatar and uh, what's her husband, Neil Geraldo. Come Neil Geraldo. Yeah, they double bill each other now because it kept their marriage together. Anyway, I, I happened to click just as it went on and I bought some tickets for the third row and I was so excited, except that I realized I already have other tickets for that same night to something else. And, and so now I, and I always reminded of Joe when I, and any scalping or any reselling of tickets. Cause I remember, I think he bought a thousand Wiggles tickets at one point and uh, maybe lost <laughs> Not a couple rows worth, not a thousand, yeah. but Wiggles and Barney. I both Wiggles all were fine. Barney. I got, I got burned bad on that. Yeah. I might make out. Okay. And I'll, t and, and by the way, you'll be surprised what I'm preferring to go to over Pat we, Benatar. Yeah, I was curious. What, what will get your, what gets your priority instead of Pat Benatar? There is a place here called the Smith Center for the Performing Arts, which is spectacular. Think Everett, only bigger and, you know, three, 4,000 people. Think like if the okay. Everett Performing Arts Center was combined with Benaroya Hall. Spectacular. Okay balconies fantastic sound and they do a lot of tribute bands and so there is a band called rumors of fleetwood mac you can look them up on youtube and i've got to say i mean we have now reached a point and god bless all the original artists all the original singers but we've now reached a point where some of the 45 year olds that are doing these tribute bands and big production here in Vegas, too. And so I, I looked at their videos and I'm like, this looks better than the last Fleetwood Mac concert I saw. So that I got front row tickets for. But the problem is that's a, a nonprofit and it wasn't on my Ticketmaster. So when I was looking at my Ticketmaster, I was like, I don't have anything that night. Quick, got to get the Pat Benatar. And, uh, and so now I'm reselling them. You've done that, Joe, right? Oh yeah! In fact, I I just sold some tickets so I could be with you guys tonight, and I I only got half what I paid, but uh, that's okay. So, how much do you have them posted for? Well, Face so value? well, uh, no, I haven't posted for what it, the show's almost sold out, and these mm -hmm. are third row center in front of you know in front third row aisle right near the stage. And someone in the sixth row posted theirs for like three eighty eight a ticket. It's Vegas tickets go for big big money. Oh and yeah, there's some yeah, that are over yeah. four hundred. So I went. I'll just go with three eighty eight and I'll lower it two days before if it hasn't sold. But I would actually this has never happened. I would actually make a profit if I if I sell those. But it's that feeling of risk that nobody buys it. That I don't like. It's scary. All right, we've got yeah. about a, a little less than a half hour. Uh, left. And a couple things I wanted to get to. First off, Joe, you have discovered maybe the best, one of the best touring bands out there. You just saw them. And I just saw An the amazing. Foo Fighters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these guys aren't the Foo Fighters, but talk about a tribute band. What a tribute band. Uh, their name is Kansas. I don't and know if any of them are really ever in Kansas. Yeah. Well, actually I do. There's one, they, had, they had one guy uh, who was the original guy. And then they had several and a couple have been there probably for 15 to 20 years. But then they, they about two thirds of the way through, they go, we want to bring out our original drummer. And he came out and wailed. Um, but he only played, you know, maybe a quarter of the show, but what a great show. I, I, it took me 50 years to go see Kansas. This is their 50th anniversary tour and a progressive rock guy like myself. I mean, I've seen, Yes, Genesis, Jethro Tull, uh, you know, ELP, just about anybody from that era and that genre. I've seen multiple times, but somehow I missed Kansas this whole time. And I did see them at the Paramount. And, and the person that talked me into going actually was Emily, who was 24. And, and, I, and I said, oh, yeah, you probably like Dust in the Wind. She said, well, I don't really know that, but I love Carry On My Wayward Son. And I said, oh, okay, well. Uh, let's go see Kansas. And they, they were, I mean, a great show. Uh, and some you are, people had told me. Yeah. You were not the first person to tell me. Ben Carlstrom saw them 
in Vancouver and said it possibly is the best show he's ever seen. They were so amazing, well-produced, and true to the originals. And, um, you know, I mean, we're going we're gonna to segue into our Alan White discussion, but what is a band? I mean, is it just the people who made the record? Or is a band like a, a touring Broadway show that, um, that pushes out, that, uh, that actually, I'm trying to think of the right word, that, um, that celebrates a body of work, a portfolio of music? Because here's the thing about classic rock. A lot of our classic rockers are in their 80s now, right? What should happen? Should people still tour playing their music? I say yes, ironically, uh, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) and here's the thing, even like I saw foreigner best foreigner concert I've ever seen. And people go, well, it's just Kelly Hansen. And you know, it's a tribute act. And I go, Kelly's been singing with them for 20 years. And, um, and so the other thing that's happening, Joe, and you mentioned your daughter, the rights and publishing for all of these music, including like your dearly beloved Bruce, Fleetwood Mac, yeah. um, David Crosby, uh, Bob Dylan, um, they are selling their catalogs, which in, in our day, back in the peace and love days, we might have thought, well, that's selling out. Like, you know, sell your song to a car or to Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not really what it is. What they're doing is investors are investing in their content and art. And those investors have one goal. They want to grow the value of that music. And that's what I think the live touring bands are doing. They're growing the value of that. Because look, if, if a tree falls in the forest, no one hears it. Nothing but happened. Kanye so, can sample it and make a whole album. Yeah, <laughs> he can. Uh, Absolutely, so, you bet. So anyway, I uh, the Kansas thing I heard from Ben, and then when I heard it from you and a couple of other people, I went ah. I actually did a search, and I guess they're not coming to Vegas. I would I would fly uh, to see them. Well, they will eventually because it's their 50th anniversary tour, and, and I bought Emily the shirt, and it says Kansas is a band established 1974. So. They're starting their 50th anniversary in a year early. So I got them at 49 and a half years, actually. So they'll be out there all next year doing this tour. So I bet they'll be in Vegas. And and I think, you know, it's only one letter off. A band is a brand. I mean, it's really these classic bands become brands, and uh, they will continue on uh, to play, I think, uh, for mm, sure. I think you're right. And Neil Young on the uh, publishing, but you know, only Neil Young. Okay, you go ahead on Neil Young. I was going to say only if they're say, great. Yeah. Oh yeah, they have to be great. And these guys, yeah. like the the fellow player, and I couldn't tell you his name, but one of my friends that's a big fan and says this guy's the best one they've had out of the last three or four. It's mm-hmm. like they're getting a different fiddle player just about every tour, but this guy was amazing. And I got to say, he does the job. Neil was talking about selling the publishing because you know Neil Young was I ain't singing for you know Pepsi. This note's for you. This this note's for you, yeah. He refused to sell his stuff for commercials. But now he says, man, he says, I don't want to hassle with it. And I don't want to leave it for my family to hassle with and fight over. Somebody To hire accountants to uh, forensically go over the record company's uh, sales figures. You sell it to a company with lots of lawyers who their job is to make sure that Neil Young's music lives forever. And a thousand years from now. You, let me let, let me this is one of my favorite things a thousand years from well let me put it this way no one goes to benaroya hall and says mozart beethoven those are just tribute bands i don't want to see the symphony right, right. it's the music it's the songs it's the compositions and, and neil yeah. said you want to give me a few hundred million right now and i i that's good enough that i never have to tour unless i want to and neil's mm-hmm. last tour by the way he came uh, to White River Amphitheater on a weeknight with just him and his guitar. And he said in advance, I'm not going to play anything you want to hear. I'm going to play stuff I haven't played in a while. Maybe if you're yeah. a real fan, you'll want to hear some. And then he said, and no scalping. He said, 
Uh, I'm going to make it impossible for you to scalp. And I said, Neil, you're coming on a weeknight to the worst venue in the area, which is you and your guitar, <laughs> and you're not going to play anything anybody wants yeah, to yeah. hear. I don't think scalping yeah. is going to be the problem, but well, he can be who he wants to be. He never has to worry about money again for the rest of his life because he's got hundreds of millions of dollars from just making one deal, and yeah, everybody yeah. and his family's taken care of for many generations to come. And and we now live in an environment where art is multi-generational. We're in the digital environment. Didn't exist hundreds of years ago. So we're in this, you know, had to be written down, all that Beethoven. But we're in an environment where the recordings, the original recordings, are being used in movies for young children. Like my my granddaughter Hazel knows Fly Like an Eagle and Instant Karma because they were in a Minions movie. So uh, it's fascinating for me to see and leads us into our um, the thing we were teasing about tonight uh, and our friend Alan White. First off, Yes is a band. It's one of my core musical loves. Like I, I, like I think Yes to me is as big as Springsteen is to Spike and the Grateful Dead are to Joe because I know you guys really well and I know Joe, you cried when when Jerry Garcia passed away, and uh, and Spike, you would really, you would do anything. I cry when Claire, I cry, I cry when Clarence died. Remember, yeah. we had Jim King come in and play the Jungle End solo in our studio the day Clarence passed. So I hear what you're saying about yes. So I'll tell you a little bit of me and yes. I was, well, the year was about 1976, so I was 19 or 20 years old. And oh, I just already loved everything uh, from that band from the moment I first heard it. And um, and those records, you know, were astounding records. And so the first time I saw Yes in 1977, they were playing in the round in a place called the New Haven Coliseum. And that would be the first time I saw Alan White. I didn't know at the time that I would ever meet him. I didn't know at the time anything other than this is good dope and I love this band. <laughs> <laughs> and, what more do you need in the world, man? What else do you need? Well, at 19 years old, for sure. And, yeah, and, so, and the girl, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't have time for the whole long story, but as years would go by, um, the band, yes, went through so many different incarnations that I believe the running total of, uh, of full-time members of Yes is somewhere around 30. I believe there've been four or five different lead singers, although obviously you have to say um, that John Anderson made the records and is a god. I mean, I wouldn't say anything less about him. Um, yeah, every, everybody who sang for Yes did a good John Anderson. <laughs> well right and actually, that's no, no disrespect intended but come on <laughs> no i like the way you're saying that but i have to say and this relates to our previous discussion about um touring acts like kansas and foreigner john davison the current singer is so astoundingly good and yeah. um uh, there is no disrespect for John Anderson possible because John literally created that art in the studio and spent 40, 50 years you know, off and on because he was in and out of the band. But John Davison right now is the real deal and it's a real yes concert. And so, uh, and of course the rest of the band, uh, most of them have been in yes. Jeff Downs has been in yes before. Uh, Billy Sherwood, bass player, filled in when Chris had a heart attack. Uh, and he was in Yes before. And so it's an elite group of players. And uh, Jay Shellen, the drummer, was, of course, chosen by Alan to be his successor. And Billy Sherwood was chosen by Chris Squire. And then you've got Steve Howe. So even though there have been some competing versions of Yes in the sense that Anderson... <laughs> uh, Wakeman and, and some Buford Wakeman and Hal, yeah, yeah, and then the Trevor uh, one, uh, because Andrew John Anderson loves, and why shouldn't he? I mean, he's the voice of the records, and from time to time he wants to tour, and when he wants to tour, 
what I love is that it just happens. I mean, there's multiple versions out there sometimes, but, but I must tell you this lineup right now that is touring. Yes. And they are on, I think it's a three month or so tour. Um, we got to see them. Most of them, Steve Howe wasn't there at Alan White's celebration of life at the Paramount last October. And I want to bring on uh, Mike McMorrow, who is uh, one time a producer of our show way back in the in the dope smoking eighties. I don't the first exactly. the first he, he, the first when yeah. we came to Seattle. Mike was our Mike was our man in Seattle. Right. There would definitely never have been Bob, Spike, and Joe without Michael. He's the one who introduced me to you characters. So uh, we were right. friends I really do owe you, way. Mike, don't I? Oh, yeah, that's the way I that. came to be. Meet you guys. So it's. It's North Bend and Joe Bryant. Yeah. Well, yeah, great times back then. I still, I still remember it. You know, as short as of time as it was, though. But um, having you guys move into Seattle and um, well, that's because you were excited. For a hothead asshole uh, who uh, hadn't really figured yeah. out <laughs> how to get all his relationships together. Right. But yeah. We won't bring. Over we won't the name years, names. But. <laughs> no. no, no. Um, but over the years, uh, we've stayed close and tight and you've done some amazing work. Uh, and Gigi, when Alan passed, of course, turned to Mike McMorrow, who's got tons of experience producing shows and said, will you produce this celebration of life? And Gigi called me, actually sat down with me and Lisa at a Mexican restaurant in North Bend and said, I have a big ask, would you be the MC? And I thought, oh, I'm not really the MC. But all I could say was, yes, sure. If you ask me, I have to. <laughs> and, and, um, and so Mike and I had a little discussion back then. I was going through my big surgery and, um, you know, I think I asked you, can we record it? And you were like, damn straight, we're going to record it. And you got four video cameras, which is low budget, not big production. Uh, and we got to record the multi-track audio. And so um, what I have is a teaser for you guys. And Mike is looking at me very carefully because there's things I can't say. Um, but this is, yeah, this is coming together into a film that is a tribute to not just yes, John Lennon and Alan White, but a tribute to the 50 years that he was the foundation, the glue that held that whole franchise and all of those people together. And that continues to this day with his chosen successor, Jay, and Chris's chosen successor, Billy Sherwood. And so I've gotten to know a little bit about those guys and we've, uh, we cannot show you any video but we can play you a little audio clip of some of the songs from that night that are gonna be in the film. Are you ready? Rip. Ready. I've seen all good people turn their heads each day so satisfied, I'm on my way. I've seen all good people turn their heads each day so satisfied, I'm on my way. Do you hear me at the end? I did. Amazing. You did a great job singing and emceeing that night, too. You were really helped me out a lot. I was oh. still recovering. Uh, what do you think, Joe? Oh, that was a fun night and uh, just puts a smile on my face just to even hear that little bit. I mean, what a what a great night and what a great guy and, and just a great friend. September 12th is uh, Alan White Day. Uh, by decree of the uh, former mayor of Newcastle. And a couple of weeks ago, we were able to celebrate and, uh, uh, you know, just uh, a good friend to us all, a good neighbor and uh, 
and and Gigi too, such a good person. And I, I and think to the whole community, uh, the one, Joe. The one thing I was, yeah, the one thing I was concerned about uh, about uh, Alan had so many stories and so many times I was like, oh, why am I not just running a tape recorder when we're out and hearing this guy? And I'm really glad that somebody is making, you know, a lasting legacy to this man because uh, I know he's special to us, but uh, he, he's he's a a big part, and he's a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member. Yes, he's a, a rock star, but he's not one that's going to be out there uh, if he were still around to toot his horn. Would not be tooting it, and I'm just glad that Michael and you guys are taking this on, and I can't wait to see what comes of it because it's right. going to be a heck of a heck Do, of a let's process. Ask, let's ask the three of us, to, uh, uh, four of us, including Michael, your favorite moment with Alan White that you remember. I'll, I'll start. So one of them was one of the first music projects that I worked with him on and a project called Synergy in Northwest. We were raising money for the Music Matters license plate campaign and, and playing the first of many shows that we had done together with full orchestra, his band White, other, a lot of other performers that, that we all know and love up here from the Pacific Northwest. And we were sitting beside the stage we were getting ready for the first one we were in Tacoma the Temple Theater and the orchestra lights went out and and uh, we couldn't figure out what was going on and we obviously couldn't you know lift the curtain and until the orchestra players could see and we could start the show and we did figure out what had happened pretty quickly uh, Randy Hansen had stepped on some plug on the side of the stage and and unplugged all the orchestra lights we got it plugged back in and Alan looked at me and must have seen the sheer panic on my face and just looked at me. And this is so Alan and said, you know, Michael, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be fine. And it was a phenomenal show. And that was, that always seemed to be one of his, his mantras over and over again, not just with me, but other people. That was just his attitude of no matter how big or small or whatever situation Everything, don't sweat it. Everything's going to be great. I'll, I still remember that to this day. And and when I get into always some situations where I'm voice, freaking yeah. out, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always think of Alan's little voice going, "It's going to be all right," you know. <laughs> all right, Joe, yeah, you're up next. Well, okay, well, I I could tell you a few, um, and I don't know if I could say I have a favorite moment, but one that stands out to me, and maybe because I do have. Mariners on the brain a little right now, because uh, Alan and I we went to a lot of ball games. We celebrated holidays. We we hung out at the pub uh, beyond the music. But one night we're walking out of the Mariners game, and Ed the tuba guy, and may he rest in peace as well, is out there blowing on his tuba, and and uh, me and Alan had a beer too, and we walk up and uh, and he says, "Do you take requests?" And he said, "For five dollars, I do." And and Alan says, well, will you play Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes? And, and he says, I don't know that song. I'm trying to do Ed the Tuba Guy. No, Ed the Tuba Guy, you got him down perfectly, actually. I don't yeah, know if family well, the Yes, Alan said, well, I helped write that song. I can teach it to you. And he goes, okay. And he said, oh, So Alan teaches him Owner of a Lonely Heart on the tuba. And he, he plays it, and we applaud him, and everybody applauds him. And we start to walk away. He goes, where's my $5? That was a request. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Alan I gives him it. 10 bucks, and, 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 you know, we go, that was great. And then I'm at a game about three weeks later, and I hear this, he's still playing. He actually learned it, took to it, and liked it. Love it. All right, Spike, you get yours in. Um, well, uh, first, I want to premise this by saying, you know, I, I wouldn't know Alan White if it weren't for Joe. Um, and because when Alan met Joe, uh, when these guys met at your local pub in, in Factoria, wasn't it? It was the mustard seeds at Factoria officially? Well, um, Factoria pub was maybe the first place we okay, okay. peripherally, but the mustard seed is really where we got to know each other in Newport Hills there. Yeah. And, and, what I love about that part of this whole thing is that Joe will treat everybody like they're somebody special, regardless of who they are, or what they've accomplished. And Alan 
is exactly the same way. Alan treated everybody with such, such respect and admiration. The first time I met Alan, Joe brought him to our show and he had so much kind and, and flattering things to say about what we do, what we had done as a radio show. I was like, I'm getting this from Alan White. I mean, I knew full well what this guy had accomplished in his life. Um, but whether it was whatever we were doing, Alan was always Alan, regardless of the circumstance or what was being asked of him or how many people were relying on Alan. A Gigi with 100 tickets backstage trying to make the family all comfortable. You know, Alan's guest list was longer than anything I've ever seen in my life. But when we played um, not just the Synergia shows that Mike put together, but when we played the Imagine a Cure shows at Snoqualmie Casino that Alan and Gigi put together to help, you know, raise money for breast cancer research. And I got to stand on stage with the likes of, yes, where there's, there's Chris Squire, you know, there's Trevor Rabin, there's, um, there's Taylor Hawkins, there's, you know, whom, Elliot Easton of the Cars, there's Roger Daltrey. And the way they looked up to Alan White and the way, you know, that he brought those people into my life. And, and I, I can't begin to, but Alan was just a buddy. I didn't, I didn't look at Alan as, he was on the par with all those people, easily surpassed many of their accomplishments, but he was always just Alan White, a, a, a great guy As and, and a neighbor said and a friend. In his uh, eulogy, a friend to everyone he met. So, so it wasn't yeah. like you were special because of you were a friend. You were special because the universe put you two together and you got to experience him. All right, mine's a quick yeah. one. My um, gratitude to Gigi over the years, I always felt bad because I knew how busy she was and Alan, you know, we would do things. He would come over and watch a football game. One day I had extra Pearl Jam tickets. We went into Pearl Jam. And I, I couldn't believe that this huge rock star was a friend of mine. Honestly, because I'm very insecure, as you guys all know. Um, at one point, probably just not that long ago, three, four years ago, Andrew, my son, was playing comedy in North Bend at the North Bend Theater. And I got a call from Gigi and she said, the show is sold out. Is there any way you could get me and Alan in? <laughs> yeah. If I have to kick the door in myself and bring a chair, of course I would. And, 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 you know, they were the same, like, Oh, would you mind helping us out? You know, with, with tickets. And then one other thing about Alan is, I don't know if I've told anybody uh, this before. Uh, you know, when I retired from the show, after 25 years, I was a little burned out. Um, but I also retired for a specific unfulfilled dream in my life. And I saw Alan in, uh, in Boston, and Gigi had asked if I could give him and Jeff Downs a ride to Northampton, uh, Mass, where they were playing the next night because they wanted to watch the World Cup together. I said, of course. And I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have a I'll get to talk to Jeff Downs. Well, they were bushed after the concert. I didn't get to talk to him. But before the show, we're having dinner, and Alan joined my party of people who were like, you know Alan White? And he just comes and has dinner. And he looked at me at one point, and we were talking about nostalgia, and he said, I missed the radio show. Why did you leave? And, you know, I already have like, survivor's guilt <laughs> about, you know, retiring because I, I knew it was the right time for me. And I, I don't think I clearly explained it to him, but I had the chance to do what he did uh, in a very tiny way. I had a chance to be on stage with Steve Fossen and Mike DeRozier and experience playing some of the greatest music of all time. And it was an unfulfilled dream of me. So in a way, I was a little envy, envious of his life, uh, but also burned out, as you guys know. So uh, that was just, uh, that's a moment I'll never forget because I realized that he was a fan of the show and he missed it. And the thing Alan was the biggest fan of was not being on that stage and being at home and working in the yard and going to McClendon's hardware and talking to the guy about the piece of plumbing he needed for his thing. Alan. Uh, he was, I mean, obviously relished being a rock star, but he really loved being just a normal everyday guy. And since his job, and maybe like your job was to be a radio star, his job was to tour the world, sleep in hotels, ride on airplanes, 
the thing he cherished the most was to not do that, to be at home, to be at the neighborhood pub. I remember the year he got to go to Seafair. It's like, finally, I get to go to Seafair. I'm not out at an amphitheater somewhere playing a show. He loved Seattle. He loved, uh, you know, just being part of the community. And as we know, when he did come home, uh, there were always plenty of people asking him to play benefits and do things, including us. And he always accommodated that. They so always said. The guy just. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, but what he really loved was, I mean, he loved people, too, because I know when the pandemic came and uh, he had to spend more time at home and we couldn't just go and meet at the pubs and stuff. I know that 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 hurt him. Uh, because he really likes the social aspects. And I think it's a British thing. I think the British guys, they love their pubs. Uh, David Harris, good friend of uh, Alan's and, and friend of ours, came in this morning to talk to my students about Salmon Days. It's his 40th year, by the way. I'll give a plug if you want to have some fun. I know Spike's going to be out there. Salmon Days is October, I think, 7th and 8th this year. David's 40th year. Uh, but David is 84 years old, and he seems younger than any of us. But uh, what Alan loved was sitting there with his old mate, David, and, you know, just just that. That's what he liked. And, and that's the Alan White I'll always remember is the guy who's mowing his grass, who's working on his car, who's, you know, just, just a normal guy. And maybe it's because he was in the spotlight ever since he was a teenager. I mean, he was playing with John Lennon in his teens. So he's 19 years old. I asked him about that, yeah. and, and he said, well, I was just 19, I, um, and here I am with, you know, Eric Clapton and uh, John Lennon and George Harrison, and I just figured, well, it's a good time. I've, yeah, I worked hard, so I guess this happens to anybody who practices the drums and, and you know, does a good job. He didn't, he didn't, I was like, did you realize? And he was like, not sort of, but not, not entirely. And I think this will come through in the film is, uh, you know, he was phenomenal, and we all know at his drumming. But really what Joe was saying, and you, and, and Spike, and, and all the stories, and what you're going to hear from people is really that. What, a, what, what a, an absolute, incredible, just human being to be around. And that's, I think, why he did get the opportunity to play with John and George and Joe mm. Cocker. And obviously it was his talent and his chops, but it was who he was. You know, yeah, just, and, and as we all know, we've been in studio situations. We know how all that can be. But really, you want the right people in there, obviously talent, but you want the right mindset and the right personality. And, and Alan was just loaded with all of that. And I hope hopefully we get that across. And such a mentor, Caspian Coverly will be in this film. I'm sure he, he played it yeah. there. Young musician. All my radio students, Alan has been in this room I'm sitting in right now multiple times. Any kid that ever wanted to do an interview, he would come down here and he would do it. And that's just mm. the kind of guy he was. Always, uh, always paying it forward, always, uh, you know, uh, trying to be thoughtful and helpful. And uh, it's, it, boy, there's just not enough people like that in the world. So bringing that all under this umbrella of yes. Uh, I don't know this for a fact, but it sure feels to me that as the longest continuous member of Yes at 50 years, and the only reason Chris Squire didn't equal him is because Chris passed, but as the longest continuous member of Yes, knowing how many times they changed personnel, broke up, start over, reinvented themselves with 90125, uh, and kept making incredible albums uh all the way up to now there's a current yes album out now it seems to me that we can infer from our experiences with alan that he was the unifying force that perhaps you know well, perhaps none of that would have 1980 you know three owner of a lonely heart would that have happened they were doing an album actually uh, they were going to call the band Cinema, and they were uh, working with Trevor Rabin, and they didn't have a singer. Now, I don't know who said, let's ask John Anderson. Um, I don't, I do know this, you know, you can read about these guys, and they're always, you know, have squabbled over the years, and, and it must have been some squabbling, but there was one guy who was 
never say a bad word about anybody and always the easiest one to get along with and probably was the peacemaker. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure that was Alan, um, even though I wasn't there. And, and I found that too, because I would interview him on the radio. There we go. What's up with John Anderson? Why is he not playing with you? And I just remember he would never say a discouraging word about anybody. He would say, well, John's got some stuff and we're just going to do this. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I would try to be the, uh, you remember, we used to sort of have fun where I would try to be the slightly nosy, ask the, um, you know, slightly almost too irreverent question. And Alan would, he had this twinkle in his eye and he would smile and give you an equally sarcastic answer. And, um, you know, he knew how to diffuse anything and, um, and just be a good person to everybody. So my feeling uh, about Yes is that to me, it's, it's an incredible body of music recorded by gods of progressive rock. And then that idea of yes, that feeling of yes, continued for more than 50 years and continues to this day. And Alan is the, you know, the rock solid backbeat of it all. So we're looking forward to putting together this movie. We can't tell you anything about it yet. We played you a little teaser of the music. It sounds great. The band's awesome. If you get to see them on tour, do see them. And uh, that concludes our podcast today. It was a lot of fun. Good to see you guys. Awesome. Awesome to see all three of you guys, uh, Michael and Spike and Bob. And we should do it again because we didn't get to talk about this other guy that's going to the Radio Hall of Fame. I know you don't like to talk about that, but I think that's a pretty big deal. And uh, we'll be in New York and we should do another one before we go because that'll be coming up in uh, November. And I, I think that's a pretty big deal. Well, the best part of that for me is that um, all of you guys have agreed to come and that you will be there at the table because that, you know, the show to me always was a family and, uh, uh, I won't lie. Uh, yeah, I'm not one of those people that uh, awards don't mean anything. I'm like, yeah, that's good. Uh, and it, and it does feel uh, great to, to get the recognition, but, uh, but also, you know, me, I'm insecure, trying not to get fired the whole time we were doing the job and just trying to have you know, have a show that would be interesting to people. So uh, the fact that it worked out, wonderful. All right. We'll see you guys in New York, November 2nd. Mm, perhaps we'll get another podcast in before then with Spike and Joe. Thank you to Mike McMorrow and Matt uh, for helping us out and putting this together with Mike McMorrow Productions. Have a good one.